0: So today, from Exodus chapter twenty, uh, we uh, we are looking at the Ten Commandments, and uh, we have been discussing <coughs> the first commandment was where we place God in our life, where to have no other gods before us. That was the first one, and the second commandment was how we need to view Him. The New Testament tells us we need to view God by faith, not by sight. That's an important concept. <clears throat> and then the third commandment uh, was how we speak and think of Him. And we're, we're not to say His name without substance and without meaning. Meaning and I would say that doesn't include just profanity but it also includes slang you know where in the hell is heck (laughs) you know just think about that we all know what it means and so gee whiz you know that's a profanity for Jesus gosh that's profanity for God so and it's even more so because we are diminishing the impact of what those names ought to mean to us then we talked about the fourth commandment which was the Sabbath day that it was a day and now it's our hope that we will if we are faithful to the covenant enter into the eternal rest with God so that is the hope of the Christian and then we're talking now about what those commandments do when they change from a vertical relationship to a horizontal relationship and that's having to do with the family <clears throat> and uh, and so we entitled that uh, Precious Parents we're on lesson number 2 on that or today we will entitle it home is where grooming begins that's where we learn to dress appropriately the Bible talks about in the New Testament how we are to dress, men are to dress like men and women are to dress like women and women are not to dress in a way that advertises things they don't want men to focus on you knew that didn't you so there is a, from a Christian perspective, there are all of those details are discussed. So we learn to address appropriately. Fathers learn to, their daughters and their sons to dress appropriately. And by the way, that's what the word modest means. It means a, appropriate for the occasion. So to to be a modest dresser means that you are dressing appropriately for whatever uh, case. You don't wear a suit to go out and and, uh, cut down trees. That's not modest. And there are some things we wear to an assembly that we wouldn't wear in the privacy of our homes. And from what I've seen some of you wearing around your homes, I hope you never bring that into the church. Just teasing. But that's where we learn to tie our shoestrings. That's where we learn to comb our hair when we have any. That's where we learn manners to say please and thank you and the courtesies of life. There's a lot to be learned there, isn't there? So let's go to Genesis chapter 1 and get the very foundation. And we're not in any hurry. Thank all of you for being here today. Didn't know with the uh, circus or the um, entertainment out here just who we'd have who could brave that all. But in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, uh, we'll begin. (coughs) God said, (coughs) uh, and we read this last week, but now I'm going to look at it from a little different perspective. Let us make man in our image (coughs) according to our likeness. You don't hear much about our likeness. man is made in the image of God in the likeness of God and when you see a man at his best or a woman I'm talking about mankind generically when you see man at his best you are getting the closest view of God there is God is a sovereign God And he has made us in his image, so as individual we are sovereign individuals. How is our sovereignty governed? Our sovereignty is governed by the word. There are a lot of things that we can do that we ought not do because the word gives us restrictions. God can do anything he chooses to do, but God is governed He exercises restraint in His sovereignty as well. And that restraint is through the Word as well. We're going to find out how that's applied here. Let them rule. Let mankind. Let's make man in our image. That's all of mankind. According to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea. Oh I wish Greg were here this morning I'd tell him about that big trout we, rainbow trout we caught up in Canada <clears throat> I mean though that lake of uh, 700 miles of shoreline it dropped two feet when we pulled that sucker out of the water <laughs> <clears throat> actually it was about 24 inches long barely legal up there let us make men in our image according to, according to in agreement with our likeness and let them rule let man rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth God created man in his own image in verse 27 in the image of God he created him male and female he created them so that ties it all in together with mankind in general. God blessed them or spoke well of them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then he says the same thing about plant life. <clears throat> And verse 31, God saw all that he had made and behold it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Amen. She's right in tune there. So you see home, home is where grooming begins and we begin with your place. Now down here you don't have quite the problem I guess as we do up in the northwest but up there everything is lush everything grows, and if you don't watch it, a guy came over to a farmer. No, that's, that's, that's not true. She says, uh, she, she's contradicting me. So, did <clears throat> you, you want something else to eat? There you go. I'll put you down. And, and uh, the, the traveler came to this farm, beautiful farm, white fences, beautifully groomed. And the traveler came up, saw the farmer out, and stopped, talked to the farmer, and said, my, God has given you such a beautiful farm. And the farmer said, yeah, you should have seen it while he still had it. <laughs> you quick catch on, did you? What happens if you don't keep your yard mowed? Does God mow it for you? No, you have to do the grooming. And so it is with all of life. God gave families, mom and dad, because their job is to groom the children. It's the owner of the property's responsibility to groom that property, to care for it, to groom it, to make it beautiful however you choose. And so God has placed man in the grooming business of everything he has created and that's what we've just read. But the home is the place that we're focusing in now as the place where human grooming begins. Now let's go to... uh, Genesis chapter 18 <clears throat> <clears throat> Genesis chapter 18 And let's look at verse uh, 18 start with verse 18 then I want to go down to verse 19. You see whom uh, the home is the basic grooming training station, It is the place where grooming begins, must begin, and if it doesn't, we're going to talk about the consequences. verse 18, well I got to go back to verse 17 Uh, this is kind of taking this out of context the Lord said shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed or well spoken of for I have chosen him so that he may command his children see there's that grooming idea He may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. That's what grooming does. so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken of about him. So it begins in the patriarchal age with Abraham. God said, Abraham has a responsibility as the father of this nation. And it's through him that all the nations of the world would be blessed, but his particular task is in grooming his children to groom them in the way of righteousness and justice. Some bad things happen along the way. (coughs) But if that's all we had was the patriarchal age and then the mosaic age of Exodus chapter 20, uh, we'd say, well, that has no authority over us. But let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6 and see if we can get apostolic approval. because here we have the same thing in Ephesians chapter 4 by the Apostle Paul fathers do not provoke your children to anger he's already told them in verse 1 obey your parents in the Lord for this is right but fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up undisciplined and uninstructed about the things of God Pat you don't agree with that No, bring them up. Mine says training and instruction. Oh, see, she's she's the opposite. (laughs) You're right. Thank you for catching it. I did that intentionally, of of course. But bring them up. Bring them up. Groom them in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Home is where grooming begins. That's where we establish functional authority. Let's see how else it's applied in Hebrews 12. And by the way, you may want to pick up some tomatoes before I get into this chapter. I don't know how many I can dodge But this is not a popular text, but in Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 5 on, let's take our time, let's be careful here, that the family or the home is the place where we exercise the discipline that will instill respect for authority. And that begins with the authority that the father and mom have, the mama and the daddy, the father and the mother have in the home. And why the Bible says honor them because they are precious and they are precious because they are establishing a respect for authority. It's not based on how many things you give them on their birthday. You've heard me say this before, and I don't want to rant on it, but, you know, I I just don't believe that we ought to be providing our children so many rewards for breathing. Anybody can breathe. Dog breathes. You know, there needs to be accomplishments for there to be a reward. And a birthday is no accomplishment. You can't help but have a birthday or you're dead. And I'm not saying that's wrong. Don't go to the other extreme. I'm just saying that we so much of our rewarding to our children teaches them the very opposite of the Christian message. And that is that rewards come from accomplishment. And we want to award and reward people for, and children particularly, for no accomplishment. Just breathing, just existing. And it's no wonder we're in a mess, nationally as well as in the church. But notice in chapter 12 of Hebrews, and this is a no-no chapter for a lot of folks in the church. They don't like this. I've got to go back to verse 3. I'd like to go back. You know, I just, I just love Hebrews. I guess one reason when you spend enough time in it to memorize it, and that was one of the things we had to do in seminary, is we had to memorize a book for recitation purposes, and Hebrews was my book. So you spent a lot of time in it. <clears throat> we, we worked uh, when I was going through college we worked in a bank as janitors at night cleaning the floors and polishing everybody's desk in, uh, in, in Iowa and we would, we would have these little we would have the scriptures down in verses in our pocket and as we were buffing the floor waxing and buffing the floors we were memorizing these verses all the way through the entire book I can't even remember, remember, remember now the name of a gecko. You know what they are? Them little critters that I love, you know? And you know what happened? After I had my surgery, for three months, I'd go out there, and the little dudes that I'd visit with before, I couldn't think of who they were or what they were. That name completely went away and then, I think a week ago, it came back, and then everything that was related to it, it came back, so the memory's returning. Isn't that, it's kind of fascinating. They said 20, you lose 27% of your memory, and it's and little things like that, that I think are coming back. All right, Hebrews 12, verse 5. you have not resisted, verse 4, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. Now, folks, That isn't what we're talking about today, but that's a valid point to think about. No one, in striving against sin, um, no one has been so righteous, so honorable, that they have shed the blood in the process. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. So now Paul is saying to the Hebrew people, uh, you've had exhortation and it was addressed to you as if you were children. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Now the Lord disciplines us through the circumstances of life. That's why you never discipline a child with your bare hand. You always do what the Bible says in the process of discipline. You always use a neutral object. Anybody who's read the Bible knows that the Bible says you always use a rod or something comparable, but always a neutral item. What's the difference between, yeah, I've seen people slap their kids. I've seen people spank their kids with their bare hand. The Bible says you don't do that. Why do we do things that are so in opposition to what the Bible teaches? What's the difference between using a neutral object in your hand? Somebody guess. You don't hurt your hand. (laughs) Yeah, but what about the emotional side of it? What's what's the difference between using and yeah? You don't want to hurt your hand. That's 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 a valid point. He didn't. What's that? He didn't. He didn't. I can testify to that. He used a rod. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Belt, belt. I should have loaned him my bigger belt. And anyway, can you see why in the Bible, in its wisdom, teaches us not to use our hand? But to use a neutral object, why? Think about it. You don't have a clue. No physical contact. No fit. Yeah, you're not. If you're using yourself, it's related to what's being used in the discipline. You don't want your hand ill thought of or you to be ill thought of. The neutral object is simply a tool and we have to be careful that we do things God's way if we do them at all so <clears throat> my son do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor faint when you are reproved by him Instead, he, and said you know and, and again in uh, James you're going to have your faith tested that's disciplined if you're true you're going to be tested that test is God's discipline coming upon you so that you will know where you are with Him. But well, let's go on. For those whom the Lord... What? What does it say? I'm in verse 6. Those whom the Lord loves... What? Disciplines. He disciplines... What's the proof of discipline? I mean the proof of love is discipline. And he scourges every son whom he receives. Now let's go on. Verse 7. It is for discipline that you endure God deals with you as with sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? See, discipline is the means through which a respect for authority is established. A respect for law. A respect for morality. It is that which strengthens character. Without it, you're wishy-warts. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which... All have become partakers, then you are what? Can you read? (laughs) Then you are. Oh, good. No, let me go back to verse eight. If you are without discipline of which all have become partakers, you know, either because it's either by our parents or by the world or by the circumstances of life, you know, even societies become disciplined if they go the wrong way. But notice all of, of which all have become partakers, then you are what kind of children? Are not legitimate. Illegitimate children. If you had the King James, that's translated into what? Bastards. Without discipline, it says you are bastard children. Is that complimentary? By the way, no. I'm trying to get y'all, you, you know, together with me a little bit here. That's not complimentary. Then you are illegitimate or bastard children. And that's what the word illegitimate means. That's what the word bastard means, is illegitimate. And not sons. Not considered, from God's perspective, mom and dads who do not discipline. Those are not considered, undisciplined children are not considered children. Now, verse 9. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the spirit, Father of spirits and live? There are going to be disciplines in life. We have to recognize them as disciplines in life. I have been disciplined in life. Everyone. Who has professed Christianity will be disciplined in life one way and through one way or another. Verse 10 For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. Now there's the purpose and the objective. Not as the how yet. We haven't got to the how yet. But now that's the purpose. The why we are disciplined is so that we may share in His holiness. That's why God disciplines. Fathers and mamas are precious because they pick up on that example. For verse 11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful yet to those who have been trained by it those who have been trained by discipline. Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. God forbid that we get too much of that in the church. Righteousness doesn't fit in. You see, discipline here is the proof of true love. And that's what we mean by the home is the place where grooming begins. It's the place where we are groomed to develop a respect for the authority of God in our life. For the authority of the society in which we live. Members of our Congress are undisciplined men and women. They've been raised in undisciplined homes. They do not have a clue as to morality and righteousness. Unmorally groomed, ungroomed. And this generation is creating Not only from Congress, but all the way down to the local home. This generation is creating an earthly hell that's going to discipline all the societies of this world to where we have never experienced it, in my estimation, before. Because the family, the preciousness of mom and dad, who have the role of instilling a respect for authority via discipline haven't done their job and they've gone by some of these current philosophers who say, oh, you just can't do that, that'll warp. Look at the warp we've got without it. Now, we either need to get serious about all that God has said about it because we were made in his image. The home, mom and dad are precious because they are grooming the family into that respect for authority. And it begins in the home. It begins with mom and dad. It begins by them grooming. And discipline is the means of grooming a life. So that it can reach its full potential and every child, every person in this room and every child in this town who has been born to this date is going to spend an eternity in heaven or in hell and it's going to depend upon the grooming that they get by mom and dad. And the only thing that you can take with you into eternity, you can't take your suit of clothes, you can't take that new car, the only thing you can take with you into eternity is your children. There's not another thing in the whole world that you can take with you into eternity. That's the only thing. And they'll only be there in eternity if they understand what we're talking about here. Well, our time is up. That doesn't mean I'm done. But we'll end. And we're going to sing number 454 not as a means of replacing the grooming requirement of mom and dad, but grace is greater than our sin individually when we have adequately repented and coughed the bitter tears of remorse and repentance